Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and delighted to be joined on the line, on the phone, Zara Hederman for our, our review of Q2 2020. Zara, how's it going? It's good, thank you. I was thinking just there that Q2 sounds quite like like kind of QAnon. Sounds very like political and official, kind of conspiracy theorists or something. I have a lot of Trump conspiracy theories that I'm going to get out on this oh. podcast. Like what? What's your key? What's your key conspiracy? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're gonna you're gonna have to wait to find out. But uh, I'm fascinated by QAnon. There's a great podcast called Down the Rabbit Hole. That may, I don't know. Maybe you should just pause this podcast and go listen to that because it's amazing. I've listened to that podcast. It's um, I got down a rabbit hole listening to that. It's very, very, uh, it's very good. Troubling, I think. Very is, troubling. Is the right yeah. Word for it. Yeah. Very dark. <laughs> So uh, our political views are going to shine through throughout this podcast, our, our hot takes. But we are going to focus on the music. We're recording this on Ariana Grande's birthday. So I'll let you, uh, the listener figure that out. I'm sure most already know what day uh, that is. So happy birthday, Ariana. And we're also recording on what would be the first day of Glastonbury weekend. Uh, Zara, three months on from talking to you, uh, we talked about two or three weeks into uh, the official lockdown and it's been months and months and months i presume the choice prize was probably your last actual venture out to a gig are you missing festivals and gigs this year are you like really starting to feel it now yeah the choice prize was my last live music experience which i mean that was a great night there were some really great uh performers that like night like my sophia jafaris was great so while it was really good to see them and it was so electric it is kind of not sad but I can't actually remember I think maybe Lancome no Beak Beak in the Button Factory I think was my last like gig to go to see a band that I really liked and that was in February so yeah no I am at the moment really missing going to gigs because there's been so many albums that have come out this year that I've you know, if I've been kind of critically listening to them and having to review them, there are certain songs on those albums where I've in my head just been like, oh, this would be so great to experience this live. And then to kind of not know when that opportunity is going to come is it's kind it's quite disheartening, I guess. Um, disheartening is maybe the wrong word, but it's just so uncertain but yeah no I am missing live gigs I haven't really as well I I remember at the start of lockdown when we had our conversation we were talking about live streams Mary Wallopers had done a few uh the scratch had done one uh Paddy Hanna of course has been doing his um his live streams regularly I've kind of tapped out slightly of live streams just because it was so overwhelming I mean, when it's on Instagram, it's not really the same. Uh, last night, actually, Lancome did a live set, I think, from Kilkenny for other voices. Um, I haven't seen that one yet. Um, Maya Sophia, I think, as well. She did one recently. So it's kind of nice in that way to just save those performances for maybe, I don't know, like a Wednesday afternoon, Sunday morning to just watch it at your own kind of pace. So that's nice, but there's kind of nothing quite like being in an absolutely packed, sweaty room and then getting a bit of beer soaked down your back at the same time. (laughs) I never thought I would miss being drenched by tall men's beers behind me. 
<laughs> I I guess that's it like you're missing that kind of extra feeling or new experience that you might get with a song like uh, one album that uh, came out uh, today was Haim's new album which I think I've been really really excited about for so long and I was looking forward to seeing them uh, play live in Dublin I think that they were down for the Trinity session I'm just imagining that gig like with the sun beating down it would have been just brilliant and those songs would have just sounded so much more you would have gotten such another experience out of it but everything is just delayed so you're just kind of like I really really like this album but oh what could have been and with the live streams yeah I've kind of died down watching them as well I did watch that Lancome uh, Other Voices Courage one and they almost make me sad just not being yeah. able to see these guys live I watched their NPR Tiny Desk concert I think it was maybe three nights ago and it just made me like I love Lancome I think they're brilliant uh the Live Long Day was one of my favorite albums from last year but watching them play just made me uh feel so like proud and almost um in a cringe way kind of emotional just because they're just so good at what they do they're so passionate about what they do and they're just the rhythm that they have with their instruments but also with each other is just it's so powerful um, so I am I'm really looking forward to having that kind of really visceral experience again and like connection with an artist in that kind of setting yeah me too I can't wait I can't wait for live gigs again I'm, I'm gagging for it um, but we're here to talk about some of our favorite albums over the past three months that have been released from April through the end of June I don't know what your listening has been like over those months. I found myself getting a little bit nostalgic, kind of going back to albums long in my past uh, that I've that would already be among my favorites. Um, I did a long read on uh, my website, The Point of Everything, around Becoming a Jackal 10 years on from its release and talked to various people who were involved in the making of that album with Villagers, former members of Villagers, sound guys, uh, promoters, and I've just found myself sinking more and more into villagers. I listened to them an awful lot for about two weeks, almost nonstop. And uh, it just made me appreciate villagers even more. I think uh, Conor O'Brien is an absolute genius. And it's just been nice seeing his development in terms of sound, like going through the whole villagers uh, back catalogue and just realizing how far they've come in 10 years. Uh, that was one thing that I listened to. Um, I finally figured out the war on drugs. I don't know if you're already a fan of that band. I'm not a fan of that band. No, uh, I saw them. I saw them at Forbidden Fruit uh, two years ago, maybe. Um, I was down reviewing it for the Thin Air, and um, obviously I had to go and watch the War on Drugs because I had to write about them. But I just find them a bit of an. In- I find the the front man. I can't remember what his name is at the moment. It, it's just a bit indulgent, um, and I think I would rather listen to Bruce Springsteen. Um, that is actually actually Bruce Springsteen. Uh, in terms of listening and like nostalgic listening, I have taken this as as an opportunity to delve into like certain cat back catalogs that like I sh- like should know or should have listened to. So, um, I've been listening to some Springsteen, enjoying some of it. XTC actually is uh, a band that I've been getting into in a very very big way but it's really interesting there was um so I started off actually one morning listening to their album Skylarking which was produced by Todd Rundgren 
who um is just I think some of his music is so brilliant um his song I saw the light was one of my favorite songs of two years ago I just couldn't get enough of that song but Todd Rundgren is is kind of like a sort of Phil Spector character in terms of how he produces music and that it's very um just very experimentative very big uh very distinct sound so this particular XTC album um it's just so expansive and actually there was what there's one song on that album and if listeners and you own have not heard this song before it's called Big Day and it's just tremendous but it really really reminded me of Outremont um Paddy Hanna and um one of his kind of side projects it really reminded me of kind of one of a source of influence for them um so if you're a fan of Outremont I would highly recommend listening to XTC Skylarking and then also Mummer Mummer is a brilliant album okay okay I'll stick that down on the list we'll, we'll talk about that in another <laughs> yeah. three months okay so so I mean I preface our conversation with that just that like I have been kind of going back to more comfortable or comforting listens just kind of like anything to get you to like I found myself listening a lot to just the radio some of um the great DJs who are on evening radio in Ireland it was actually John Creedon's show on RT radio he played in full an 11 minute war on drugs song from their last album and it was like oh I just I just really really love a long song like that so um that kind of got me interested in that and then I was just kind of listening to it on repeat on Spotify afterwards so there's uh it's just, it's just stuff like that that you kind of uh I've been going back to but we're here talking about newer albums and I guess we'll start with with what I think is going to be the objective album of the year I think it's probably my second favorite album of the year so far it is uh Fiona Apple fetch the bolt cutters she is an act who honestly in January I wouldn't have been that familiar with you know her but uh, you might not have heard of her in a couple of years because she hasn't really surfaced at all over the years. And then there was that amazing New York article that I think that we talked about a couple of months ago that was months and months in, in the making. And this album, Fetch the Bowl Cutters, was years and years in the making. Uh, I think it's an unbelievable listen. I was just, uh, I, I just had it on before we started talking and even now, like having played it to death over the past couple of weeks, there's just so much to discover in there. It's a really powerful listen lyrically. I think that a, a line that listeners will be drawn to, different a different line listeners will be drawn to every time that they press play on it. Um, but it's the creation of it. I think it's the sound of lockdown just because it sounds like she was in her house and you can hear doors opening and closing you can hear dogs barking in the background you can hear knocks on wood and it sounds like it was made in a house and it was released at the height of lockdown I don't think that was the plan but yeah I think it's a a great album absolutely and what you were saying about the house I mean there was a really great um quote from her when she was dissecting the album and just talking about the whole process of making it and she said that the house in itself um, felt like an instrument um, she said the house is the microphone the house is the ambience the house is a member of the band um, I remember when I initially the very first listen that I uh, had of the album was the morning it came out um, I woke up weirdly very early that day like at six just couldn't sleep and 
really really loved the opening track I Want You To Love Me today like even that is still my favorite song on the album and I remember as you were saying we were talking about the the New Yorker profile and prior to that coming out I had never been a Fiona Apple fan I was not familiar with any of her um albums so I used that as an opportunity to kind of go from the start so I remember reading that and listening to Tidal I think about three times like on loop and I absolutely adored that um so with Fetch the Bolt Cutters I really liked the first song Shamika I liked it and the more I the further I got into the album the less I liked it and I thought that it kind of just um in terms of the arrangements I thought that it kind of lost the run of itself so I didn't didn't like it initially um but I revisited it about three weeks ago when I was in work and I listened to it and I started to hear the songs quite differently um certain uh layers of the arrangements I heard for the very first time I really loved them I loved the the timbre of them and just like even cycling into work it's been an album that I've listened to a lot when I'm cycling into work because I'm kind of most focused then on the songs which I know is quite dangerous because I should be focused on the road but and lyrically I do think that this is a really strong album um I love her wordplay I love how she kind of revisits her younger self whether it's her as a woman in her 40s kind like looking back on herself when she was 18 19 starting out in the industry um I suppose that's kind of most obvious on the title track um where she is talking about having to fill shoes and she's talking about not wanting to smile and being blacklisted um I found those really inspiring and very um just like really great for anyone who's maybe in a position of feeling kind of like self-conscious about themselves I just felt that they are very um positive messages to espouse and especially in music and then also how she incorporates her younger self with say like Relay which was a song she wrote when she was 15 um how she's carried that song for all of her life and has now decided to bring it into this album so I have to say that like initially I I didn't love this album but the more I listen to it and now uh, three months after it's been released it is an album that I love kind of delving into just because there's so much in there it's so rhythmically dynamic and diverse and there's so much going on where that's why it takes maybe two months to kind of pick out certain bits that you're like oh this is actually really nice um I love how unyieldy her voice is as well I love how she doesn't try to make even though she's got an amazing voice she doesn't try to make it sound pretty so it's just such an individual sound and how she's tried to kind of break um genre as well I think is really cool um but I think as well like something maybe that took me so long to get to get fully immersed in this is because I loved Tidal so much 
and even I was listening to various podcasts um actually Rolling Stone had a podcast about is Fetch the Bolt Cutters Fiona Apple's best album and there was a few of the Rolling Stone writers and they were just talking about the album but then they had to rank their favorite Fiona Apple albums and I was really disappointed to be like to hear that none of them loved Tidal and I think it's just because uh, I, then like when I was walking listening to them talk about it I was like well I think that like I love this so much because I'm only fresh the, to this I haven't had those 20 years to like have that kind of to hand and I think maybe it's maybe a similar thing to fetch the bolt cutters where it's just kind of something that you need to you need a, a, a good bit of time to fully appreciate. No, I've I've really enjoyed uh, going into Fiona Apple's back catalogue as well. Um, there's so much to discover there. Um, that album was very much made in her house. And another album that was made uh, in an artist's house that I've really been connecting with is How I'm Feeling Now by Charlie XCX. It was made on a much tighter time frame. It was made during lockdown. And uh, I, th- I think it's just absolutely brilliant. It's maybe different experiences that Charlie XCX is singing about. She is a London artist who's currently living in LA. And the the stuff that she's singing about is very much just kind of missing out on life and missing out on what's happening but it's set to this really really going out nightclub like high octane dance soundtrack and I just love the contrast of it I love just how intimate it is but also how much energy is in there as well I think it's brilliant and I think that you really like this album as well I really liked it um I had to review it last month when it came out um and I was like I wouldn't have been a huge Charlie XCX fan prior to listening to How I'm Feeling Now, just in terms of like I actually hadn't really listened to any of her albums before. Um so when I delved into this, um I think I texted you and I was saying how I absolutely love the song Forever. And like every now and again I will still like stick that on. Um and you can just really tell how she has just got such a natural ear and inclination towards a poppy or a catchy pop hook um I don't think it's any surprise that she is one of the kind of biggest pop stars that other uh, pop stars want to collaborate with and want her to write them a verse or a chorus because just listening to how I'm feeling now and especially with that song forever it just really seems to flow out so naturally for her um I loved as you were saying like it does feel like you're going out for a party it's such a fun it's such a again in a different way really immersive and I just loved the whole 90s influence kind of the euro trance that's like seeping into it and I was really surprised how that was one album over lockdown that I had to listen to like for work that I have actually kept revisiting I never would have expected that um which is great because kind of getting into a bit more of a pop pop zone at the moment which I think you'll appreciate um <laughs> yeah it's about time Zara it's about yeah. time <laughs> no no I think these two albums are kind of linked just in terms of I don't know if we even would have gotten anything like them um say 10 years ago People have had home studios for ages, but these sound like albums which have literally been made in their houses, in people's bedrooms, in their living rooms or in their sitting rooms or whatever. Lyrically, what they're talking about as well, it just sounds so fresh and exciting. And just how 
clear-headed and honest Charlie XCX is being and the experiences that Fiona Apple uh, is singing about as well. It just sounds like I haven't heard those things expressed in three minute pop songs before so um those are probably my two favorite albums of um the past couple of months but what what about you what other albums have you really been enjoying over the past little while um so the albums that i've really loved are perfume geniuses set my heart on fire immediately that could be if not my favorite it's definitely i think one of my most listened to releases from this year Obviously, it's Mike Hadris. Uh, this is Perfume Genius's fifth album, I believe. Again, he is just one of these artists who he started off initially and he was very introspective, quite minimal um, soundscapes. And now his sound is just an explosion of industrial, distorted pop his vocals are so beautiful and um, he's got such a nice range um, but I saw him perform in Dublin about two years ago in the Tivoli Theatre and I didn't really know much of his um his earlier work but I had listened to No Shape a lot and I loved that album so that kind of hooked me in that and just everything on this album there's so many different sounds to just delve into everything from really doo-wop kind of 50s Roy Orbison style songs in the opener song which is beautiful and there's a song called Jason which really reminded me of Ayer's soundtrack for the Virgin Suicides Um, it's just so dynamic he I find him to be really exciting I love watching I got into a bit of a, a whole rabbit hole of watching loads of YouTube performances that he's done because the way he moves his body as well to kind of give his music a whole other layer is just phenomenal and it's so fascinating to watch but he um he is another along with Fiona Apple who has referenced Kate Bush in their album so um, Kate, uh, Fiona Apple in on Fetch the Bulk Cutters, she has a line about running up that hill and so does um, Mike Hadris. So he has a song where he references running up that hill as well. There you go. Ah, nice little, nice little tidbit there. Nice connection. He's someone who I think uh, would actually like have stolen any festival that he's been at. I, I, I kind of saw him at Other Voices a couple of years ago, as in I was in one of the bars in Dingle while he was playing in the church and they broadcast it to all of those venues. So uh, we were watching that and you just kind of can take your eyes off him. Um, I really like Perfume Genius in terms of like seeing his development. He seems just to have gained a load of confidence along the way, whereas where now he's very much out there as a performer and uh it's great to see him develop like that i don't really love this album i kind of i've stuck it on loads because it's been getting brilliant reviews but my attention kind of drifts away from the album i don't know why maybe that's um my own fault but yeah i I don't love it as as much as i thought i would from the reviews but um maybe it'll maybe it'll get me eventually maybe sometime when i see him live i'll be like oh this is this is the one yeah, no, I, I've absolutely loved it. And I think um it's really funny. I know I I don't know about you, but I kinda noticed like year year on year, 
there's always one kind of name in the production side of things that just always seems to reappear so say like last year it was maybe like Phineas Billy Eilish's brother he was quite big in the whole pop production side of things last year but this year I've really noticed uh, Blake Mills has come into the fore as the musician who seems to be really not defining 2020 sound but is definitely very much involved in a lot of the albums of 2020 um he produced that perfume genius album himself and fiona apple actually appeared on bob dylan's latest album uh, rough and rowdy ways and he also released his own solo album this year which actually i think you will really like because i stuck it on the other night and it's very villagersy like he sounds so like Conor O'Brien vocally in some in some songs and then also in that album you can also kind of hear a bit of a spillover of that perfume genius sound too so he's a really interesting guy in terms of like 2020 I think and I wouldn't be surprised if we see in the next couple of months or if in our Q3 roundup there's more <laughs> if we see more uh, albums where Blake Mills has had a hand um I actually when I was uh, researching and reading about the Perfume Genius album uh, I was really fascinated to learn that um, there's a particular guitar tone that you can hear on songs like Describe and um, when you kind of delve a bit deeper into it there was um, an interview with Jeff Tweedy of Wilco and that same guitar tone can be heard on their Ode to Joy record from last year and it was basically Blake Mills and Mike Hadris made a particular type of bridge. I'm going to sound like an absolute charlatan here trying to describe uh, uh, instrument technology, but they made a particular type of bridge to make the sound of the strings resonate in a particular way. And Jeff Tweedy was asked about this sound on Ode to Joy and he was just like, yeah, no, I actually, we were touring, uh, we played a gig with Perfume Genius and we got that idea for the guitar thing from him and uh, Blake Mills, who had the two of them had kind of concocted this together. So I definitely do think that he will be a really, um, he'll be quite instrumental in maybe a lot of 2020s albums. Wow. Thanks thanks to that guitar nerd, Zara <laughs> Hederman. Guitar tech. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the Bob Dylan uh, album before uh, we move on? The floor is yours. I... I I have no great uh, thoughts on the Bob Dylan album. I, I stuck it on there last week when it came out and I thought it was uh, it was good. It goes on a little bit, um, but it's pretty good. I'm guessing Bob Dylan fans will be quite happy. It's probably the best thing he's done in years and years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, would you have been a Bob Dylan fan at all, Dan? Uh, no, I've, it, he's one of those guys who I've just never really found a way in. I've tried listening to the big albums from the 60s. I've tried watching various uh, live shows or whatever, but I just, I don't know. There's no real connection there. But like, I mean, you know, you can see his influence everywhere. I mean, I imagine almost every artist is influenced in some way by Bob Dylan. So I guess I'm I'm an adjacent fan. Yeah, <laughs> I was only saying to someone yesterday, uh, when I got my uh, Walkman for Christmas uh, when I was 13 and I had the vomiting bug 
my brother bought me uh, Blonde on Blonde. So that was my kind of introduction to it. So for years and years and years, I think throughout my whole teenage years, I only listened to Blonde on Blonde. And then I stepped away from Bob Dylan for a good while. And I've only in the last maybe three years delved back into him. But I was really excited for this album um, as soon as Murder Most Fell came out, um, which of course is a 17 minute long song about the JFK assassination. Um, and then we had False Prophet and I Contain Multitudes. Um, and like as much of a fan of Dylan's as I am, I really love the kind of the 70s albums a lot. Um, I think they're brilliant um i i love like i just think he's class like and i love his old attitude of not really suffering fools um so with this i didn't really know what to expect fully because the last kind of late bob dylan album that i love is uh time out of mind which he did with uh daniel lanois and that had a really particular sound to it it's very swampy it's very uh bluesy and i do like that but it, it wouldn't be my favorite kind of dylan so with Rough and Rowdy Ways, um, obviously he was coming off his whole uh, delving into the American pop standards. It was all very croonery, very Sinatra. So with this, I was really surprised to hear him be so funny, be so tongue-in-cheek, um, to be really self-reverential. Just also like how he at the age of 79 and not to be ageist but like you do kind of notice (laughs) you do notice how a lot of artists when they're around as long as Bob Dylan generally speaking their later albums tend to stink a bit like they kind of seem as though they're clasping or clutching on to like the fame and the status they had in their heyday back in the 70s whereas here he just sounds so comfortable and just so himself and I love how we have on this album songs like I've made up my mind to give myself to you which is I think one of his one of his most beautiful love songs um just even like the opening verse of that song he sings uh I'm sitting on my terrace lost in the stars listening to the sounds of sad guitars been thinking it over it and I've thought it all through I've made up my mind to give myself to you like that's just such a a lovely sentiment and a gorgeous way to say to someone look I know I might have been a bit of a dog in my past but like (laughs) but I've learned from my ways and I'm now ready to present myself to you and I just think like that verse that whole song there's other songs like Key West Philosopher Pilot which are up there to me with songs say like Lay Lady Lay or Simple Twist of Fate. They just have that instant classic and timelessness to them. I love as well how the instrumentation and the arrangements on this album are are very different. They're a lot darker than say what he's come out with with the standards albums. Um obviously Tempest was his last album of original uh songs. And here he just is in full storyteller mode. There's another song, Black Rider. And again, I was cycling home and I was listening to that song. And I just like instantly listening to it had this visual of like an old tavern that's really dingy. It's really dark. And then you go in and Bob Dylan's just there like by himself and is like telling the story. And he just 
immediately draws you in like I really felt with this album I was on um tenter hooks and I was just like listening so intently to everything he has to say and I suppose also there is that kind of aspect to this album where not to be morbid but you know you had the the Leonard Cohen's you wanted darker he died beforehand was it that Leonard died beforehand or afterwards like very quickly anyway and then obviously David Bowie and Black Star so you do kind of have to I think as well you are kind of combing through the lyrics a bit more intently to be like oh god is Bob gonna is Bob gonna die like um so I think maybe that is why I'm really appreciating this album I've also been listening to a great podcast um called um Bob Dylan album by album where there's a a guy I think his name's Ben Burrell and he goes through each Dylan album which is it's just really great I just find it really fun to fully immerse myself in Bob Dylan's music because it's so informative his wordplay is amazing his attitude to some people except for women in his 80s kind of period he can be a bit misogynistic um I do think he is such uh an inspirational and cool person that I would love to or hope to kind of take on some of the things he imparts in his songs the album has only been out for a week as we're talking do you see yourself going back to it like in three months or six months when we're doing our end of year roundup oh absolutely I I find it really difficult to not just want to listen to um especially false prophet it's such a jazzy song and i just find him so funny so yeah i definitely it is one that i'll be uh revisiting quite a lot i really love it cool i i saw paul McLean talking about this album on twitter and he said something along the lines of uh you know he really knows how to borrow things from other artists um you know that kind of that magpie effect i guess if anybody has earned the right to do that it's bob dylan but one other act who kind of it's a new album, but uh, it's very much kind of nostal- instantly nostalgic is uh, The Strokes, The New Abnormal. Um, I actually think it's a good album, but I think it's good because it just reminds me so much of other Stroke stuff in the past. There's so an originality is kind of lacking in the songs. It's their first album in seven years and the amount of side projects that all of those members are involved in, it just kind of makes me think that this is an easy cash cow for them, but they've gone back to it. I like the songs. I like a lot of the guitar stuff that's going on, but it just sounds like a lot of things that have gone before, like the couple of live shows that they played last year. Uh, they sound like horror stories of, you know, like someone's had a little bit too much to drink and they don't like each other. And I don't know if that actually comes across in the album that there is maybe you know, no longer that gang feel about them. But, um, you know, Ju- Julian Casablancas, he's still a great, great vocalist, um, but he also does really cringy stuff like his falsetto on Eternal Summer. Um, like my favorite Strokes thing that I've been listening to over the past three months is a cover of Someday by Julia Jacqueline. Uh, she does this amazing stripped back version of Someday that I've never even thought that this song could be like this. That's my favorite strokes related thing that i've heard uh recently rather than the new abnormal which i stick on and i'm just like why am i listening to this when i could be listening to is this it (laughs) yeah Yeah, actually when i was listening to it um because i loved the strokes so much when um when is this it came out initially and i remember the cd was going around my family home but i was 
like nine or ten when it came out and I was really uh embarrassed by the uh the uh, the album cover because it was so rude so I remember when I was younger I had the cd and I uh like folded the um the booklet over so that the cover instead would be Nick Valencia (laughs) oh my yeah um but I really liked um I was kind of surprised how much I got into and actually enjoyed listening to this album whether it was a kind of nostalgic thing or not like I felt listening to this that this album strangely enough sounded more like a natural follow-up to Room on Fire than First Impressions did like I I felt that if I had have heard this album maybe two years after Room on Fire Fire came out I would have maybe been a bit more accepting of the direction that they were going in incorporating more synths and trying to um broaden their sound uh what I found really interesting actually about the making of this album um I read I think it was with the Guardian and Alexis Petridis uh Julian Casablancas was saying how this was kind of the first album in the Strokes history where he actually opened up the songwriting process to the lads and was was inviting them to uh, contribute either lyrics or melodies whereas before he was very much like no this is my project I write the songs you just do what I tell you to do and I think that that is maybe why I felt like this felt like a more natural successor to the, the first two albums um my favorite song on that album actually is Oh to the Mets. I think that's a really emotive song. Like I love it when Julian Casablanca sounds like he's kind of on the edge of he sounds hungover and he sounds like he's about to cry from the sentiment of the song um because the song itself is about his relationship with his dad. Um who I did not realize was one of the founding members of Ford Model Management. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what to there do with go. that information. <laughs> so yeah, I I love I love it when the strokes get a bit more sentimental in that way and in that kind of tone. And then I suppose on actually another in the similar vein of like big albums that came out this year, there was obviously the 1975. Do you have any um opinions on that? Well, I could just listen to you uh, talk about the 1975 all day long. I think uh, I I heard you on uh, RT's RT Radio's Arena a couple of months ago when you were talking about it, and I was surprised um, how much of a slating it came in for um, on the Nile Nine podcast. I know that Andrea Cleary is a big fan of uh, the 1975, so I was kind of listening to the other side of the argument, the kind of the the fan side of of the argument. And she, she kind of says, you know, you can make a great playlist out of this album and their previous album as well. And there's some really really good songs on the 1975's album, but it's just so long. It sounds like it's trying to be all things to all people, and ultimately, um, it's trying to sound almost like a playlist that you could put on for like different parts of the night whereas I don't know I like a little bit of consistency um a- across an album and I, th- I think it's way too long I also think Matty Keeley if he's the voice of a generation you know you would worry about the generation absolutely they're a generation who are gonna do far worse 
if there is possible to do far worse than vote for Trump, like their equivalent when they're in their forties. Like, um, I completely agree with you. I think it it definitely it is made in a way where it sounds more like a playlist, and I do think that uh, a lot of albums have come out in the last year, maybe where it does where they do kind of surpass the seventy minute mark. And it is very much a playlist or mixtape um kind of scenario. The one that comes to mind um is Zayn Malik. He brought out an album last year that was maybe like 80 minutes long. And again, it had that issue of this could have potential if it was edited. Um and I do find that a lot of music and a lot of bands who are very um zeitgeisty, if that's the um if that's the word to use, they do uh, feed into and indulge in that um, format of, well, this is how the industry is going. This is how commercial success is going. T- is going. So I'm going to sacrifice my vision of presenting an album of concise ideas to just puke out any anything like I will I'll give you garage I'll give you orchestration I'll give you ballads and I think yeah if that's what's making you money maybe just be a banker or something like that maybe get into a different career (laughs) because if that's why you're doing it that's it's sad like it is sad to think um that it's not something that actually means something to them um I just think the the 1975 are such a vanity project for Matty Healy um I think his lyrics are shambolic and absolutely disgraceful but I do find the fandom of the 1975 very amusing yeah, they, they they have like a couple of good songs, um, but yeah, I, th- I think some of the lyrics are just really, really atrocious. But someone else who like is a quiet, is a quieter voice of a generation, I think is Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, Punisher, her second album came out a couple of weeks ago and it was preceded by a couple of great singles, Kyoto and I See You. And I think she is absolutely unbelievable. She She's a bit of a workaholic as well, I think. Her, her debut album came out in 2017. Motion Sickness is a standout track on that. I think it's got 36 million plays on uh, Spotify at the moment. And it's, it's probably the song that towers towers over uh everything else that she's done but she also did the boy genius album and she also made an album with uh connor oberst better community oh what's it called better Better oblivion Oblivion community Community center Center, yeah (laughs) yeah and and connor oberst appears on this as well maybe like a, a kind of a voice of a previous generation but phoebe bridgers definitely sounds like she's plowing her her own way here um I think she already sounds influential. There's so many acts uh, who kind of sound like Phoebe Bridgers or, uh, you know, the she kind of sounds like, and she very much fits into the, that mold. I absolutely love this album. Um, Kyoto is is a standout track just because it kind of demands it. It's got that big brass section that you just can't ignore. But uh, I, I love um, almost everything about this. I, I, I love the fact that it's an album that maybe it's kind of like, Tame Impala, who it's very much a headphones listen. It's very much a solitary listen. You listen to this 
by yourself and it's maybe one to wallow in when you're not feeling you know uh like 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 at, at, at your best you know you want someone to kind of put an arm around you you want an album to kind of uh just sink into and I think that Phoebe Bridgers is just it I think her voice is just so soothing and I I, I just love uh everything about it what, what do you make of this album I listened to this a lot because I knew that you would love it. So, I've all my listening I've done. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I remember listening to her debut album, uh, "Stranger in the Alps," and there were sometime some moments in that I really loved. Um, but I never actually became invested or curious about, say, "Boy Genius" or "Better Oblivion Community Center." I'm very indifferent to Phoebe Bridgers, which I feel bad saying to you. Um, but there, I I do have to say when I when Punisher went up on Spotify and I listened to it in work, I was really impressed with the the atmosphere it created in a lot of the arrangements. I was really taken by the musical side of it more so than her. One of my biggest pet peeves with um, vocal deliveries is that kind of, um, I don't even know really how to describe, that kind of emo inflection of, you know what I mean? That kind of emo inflection that she has on her on her delivery, which is kind of a shame just from in, to myself because I do actually like the tone of her voice. I think she's got a lovely tone and I could listen to... Uh, her vocals all day if they just didn't have that inflection which I just find so irritating um but I really loved the uh the whole soundscape on the opener is a dvd menu I love that I think that's brilliant uh ICU I really liked that but like I think obviously the and I don't think it really is an elephant in the room is the Elliot Smith influence on her um on this album in particular and in her other work and I think like there is that the titular track Punisher is basically all about her love for Elliot Smith and you know going to his old neighborhood and which I think is really nice I do like it when when artists like um own up to their fandoms because it makes them a bit more human makes you maybe a bit more braver to approach them if you see them in a bar as well um but yeah it's just like it hasn't it could be a case of the Fiona apples where it might take me two months so maybe in our q3 roundup maybe in our pre-chat before i'll be like yeah i actually really like it but i have to say i i enjoy the arrangements of punisher more than I actually enjoy Phoebe in that world which I feel bad saying but it's just it's it's how I'm feeling now Owen. I, I, I just think uh, she's amazing she's 25 and she already like kind of sounds like the voice of a generation to me I love how tightly curated uh, the album is and someone else who's really really prolific is Laura Marling who's only 30 and she's released her seventh album, Song for Our Daughter, earlier this year. It's probably got my single of the year so far, Hell Down, which is a really simple two-chord uh, guitar track, which I think it, it just melts me every time. And as the album title suggests, 
podcasts. It's uh, very much about um, her own experience. Um, she says that it is stripped of everything that modernity and ownership does to it. It's essentially a piece of me and I'd like for you to have it. So it's it feels direct. This was also an album that was moved up during the lockdown. And uh, I, I just think she is another genius um, who actually kind of perfected the live stream over the past couple of months she did lots of instagram performances and then she was one of the first to kind of charged for live performance and she did i think it might have been in union chapel in london but it it was kind of a venue like that and it was kind of 10 euro to buy uh, an attendance to the stream and i've seen more artists who are doing that into the future like idols who are releasing their album in august are already selling uh, tickets to to watch that so Laura Marling is another one for me that maybe I would put alongside Phoebe Bridgers as as kind of workaholic and alongside Fiona Apple in this very unique very much on display of uh, an experience that she's been through and I love how fresh and original it sounds yeah I really liked the Laura Marling album um I Again, I hadn't really listened to a lot of her previous work. Um, I actually listened to her podcast that she had out last last year, the year before, um, which was all about women working within music, um, which was really interesting. Um, but I loved the, I think at the start of that album, how it's very Laurel Canyon in the 1970s. I loved the kind of upme- upbeatness of it. Um, which contrasted really nicely to then the latter half, which is very sparse, very earnest, um, kind of acoustic arrangements, uh, either on piano or uh, guitar. So yeah, no, I, I enjoyed that album as well. Cool. What What other albums have uh, have you been enjoying? I've I've kind of talked about all of the main ones that uh, I've really loved um, the past couple of months. So the other ones that I have really loved are Happiness. They had an album out called Floater, which came out in May. They're a London-based, they used to be a trio, now they're a duo. Um, they're just very, like, very 90s, very slacker, very pavement, <laughs> um, which you're probably not surprised to hear that I like a band that sounds like that. <laughs> um, but they just have really, really fun songs. Uh, probably my favourite thing about their sound is that they allow their... Uh, arrangements to meander a bit like they do have very spacious um, arrangements which kind of allows them to go a bit rogue in you know extending a guitar solo or um or whatever they need to do and my favorite apart from the lyrics the lyrics are always really great they always have a very catchy hook on their kind of say radio friendly song which there's always maybe like two of on an album. Uh, their vocal treatment, they always have them very like muffled and distorted, which I really like. Um, but the opening track on this album in particular, the first time I listened to it, almost had me bawling because the the final moments of it, it's just this really simple, really nice very charming and endearing just piano melody for about 30 seconds which is just really nice so even though they're very fun and they're very jokey they there is a very sincere and sentimental aspect to their music so I do really recommend listening to that and also Dougie Poole who is a Brooklyn-based singer-songwriter 
I think he in the past has worked with or collaborated with, you know, Drug Dealer. So Drug Dealer um, is a band. I think he's Californian and has collaborated with, say, like Ariel Pink and Wise Blood in the past. Uh, Dougie Poole is Brooklyn based. He uh, he's just gas. Like I love his songs because like there's so his album is called The Freelancers Blues which I guess is just quite funny in 2020 like um but he has songs called Vaping on the Job which is really funny uh it's also just a great song he's got a song called Los Angeles on this album which sounds like Jolene uh the Dolly Parton song um and yeah I just he's very cosmic country very like 70s golden era of pop country but also very contemporary as well um very lo-fi so if listeners like that kind of stuff definitely check out Dougie Pool. there's lots of albums that we didn't talk about that um I'm looking forward to getting into a little bit more the likes of Run the Jewels Wiley and uh Jesse Ware's album as well What's Your Pleasure which just came out uh today as we're talking on Ariana Grande's birthday just before we go um some of the Irish releases that have come out in the past couple of months I don't know does it still feel a little bit slow is it just Irish acts putting albums back because of lockdown but there hasn't been a whole pile that I have been listening to that I've been really really drawn to listen to maybe it's just you can only take uh so much um new music that you actually want to get into but i guess the the biggest release from the list of albums that we're listening to on our on our um uh joint document here is bleeding heart pigeons album stir it's our second album and i was lucky to talk to michal from the band and it was a long time coming this record and i think that they've done an absolutely brilliant job this is uh one of those albums that does feel really really tightly curated that you know there there's not an extra note that isn't needed on that album and i think fair play to them for being able to kind of almost cut it back like that and i think uh all for the best is one of the irish singles of the year i think it's uh brilliant uh i know that you're a really big fan as well because on that episode of arena that i listened to with you you reviewed uh charlie xcx the 1975 and leading hair pigeons quite the elect eclectic bunch uh and this got a resounding four or five out of five i think did not it did i really loved this album from the moment bubble boy started which is the opening track um again it is just such an immersive album um i loved how dark it got at times there was some songs that really reminded me of say david lynch and like his work with say soundtracks or sound design i there was literally one night when i was doing my work for that um where i had my headphones on and i think it was stir that came on and i actually it was like midnight or something like that and i was quite tired and i got really afraid listening to it in the room because i just thought that there would be a serial killer standing in the corner of the room all of a sudden so it was like (laughs) that's also just me listening to too many murder er, podcasts as well but um but I just found that it was an album that I very easily slipped into and got lost in and it also just reminded me quite a lot of uh Grizzly Bear's Painted Runes album which is an album that I absolutely loved I thought that was great too um but I just think like they were great that was one album in particular that came to mind where I was like oh I really want to hear some of these songs live because I'm sure they bring a whole new element and dimension to some of the songs in a live setting um 
so that was one I really loved. Uh, the Bridge of My Power album, I've really enjoyed that as well. Um, Head Above the Water. I just think she's great. Um, she can kind of do no wrong for me. I loved The Two Worlds when that came out. Was that 2018, maybe? Uh, yeah, it was a couple of years ago, yeah. She's just got such great vocal, doesn't she? Oh, like, it's so different to anything that's heard in Ireland in particular uh, in 2020 like I think her if you stumbled upon this album say on Discover Weekly on Spotify which is I guess how a lot of people maybe make discoveries if you heard like one of her songs from Head Above the Water on a Discover Weekly I think you would might be like oh this must be someone of a kind of Karen Dalton ilk from the 70s like um, and then be really surprised to know that she's a contemporary artist. Um, I just love everything from the lap steel to the piano to the reverb on that. I just think she's phenomenal. Yeah, just just the way that she can sing one note, but it's the things that she does to that one note that's like really, really interesting. And obviously, like some of the themes that she's think- singing about uh, as well are ones that you can uh, come back to. Um, two other albums that have stood out for me in the past couple of months are they are people that I've talked to on the podcast but uh you know I only talk to people on the podcast whose music I like as well um so so there is that caveat uh Summers Jackson released his debut album uh Murmuration I think uh it's a really vivid album and I I just really like uh some of the stuff that he does on that record and I think it's one that will benefit from from the sun beating down uh in Ireland we haven't actually had much of the sun since the lockdown was lifted which is really disappointing as I look out a window and just see like really really dark clouds overhead so I'm I'm looking forward to listening to that album uh with the with the sun shining and a can in my hand and uh the Berlin-based Eval are uh, a really really underrated band i've seen them live a couple of times um both as eval and in a previous guys as cool thing as well they released an album called uh the power which is 40 minutes long it's 15 tracks and i think there's so many good ideas there it's kind of dark electro dance music and uh the likes of it's okay are just songs that uh uh, they they pack a lot in in three minutes so uh those are probably the three albums those two that i just mentioned uh bleeding heart pigeons and bridget may power those are four albums that uh have really stood out to me recently from ireland yeah i think while it's been kind of um maybe thin with irish album releases in the last three months i think it's been an amazing uh three months for singles from irish acts um just even in the last two three weeks alone i mean there was pillow queens with handsome wife i really loved that um the video for that was great as well denise chyla obviously had chyla which came out um that was just so infectious when i watched the video for that and just so uh captivating and such a great hook to that um was man as well which is warren McCarthy who used to be in um we set or is in uh Let's Set Sail he has kind of started a new um solo venture he released a song called season three episode 11 which is the Sopranos reference uh Alvaretti <laughs> she had a uh, time difference it's just been I think in terms of um artists in Ireland releasing singles it's been incredibly fruitful and very 
I mean, I've enjoyed every week kind of the anticipation of what's going to come next and what what's going to fill my ears this time. Uh, yeah, the, ju- just um, the the way that acts have seemed to figure it out, like it, it the single release is almost the most important thing now, and the album is almost secondary. Uh, CMAT, I think, has uh, released a couple of absolutely brilliant songs. Uh, Rodney is her latest single. Um, I talked to her on the podcast uh, alongside Rachel Lavelle earlier in the year live at Quarter Block Party, um, and CMAT's Rodney is just an unbelievable song. It's just been going around and around in my head since I heard it a couple of days ago. Uh, she just has a brilliant way with words they're really really funny but there's a second or third or fourth layer to the tracks as well uh she's gonna be big like she's someone who i cannot wait to see live again just because people already love her because she's so funny but there is that other couple of connections that you have with her as well I'd, i've loved Alvaretti for a long long time and i'm delighted to see that she's getting she's gearing up for album mode time difference is the first single that we've heard from her and also this innovation that we're seeing from irish acts she's released a couple of instagram gifts of uh, uh, relating to the video that she released of the track one of them is her pulling a pint of Guinness and it's everyone so is good. I think everyone is just like very jealous that she got to pull that pint uh, in yeah. the video I, yeah like when I was watching that video uh, on Wednesday and when she's like dancing kind of haphazardly in the workman's and her pint is spilling I was like no that's <laughs> liquid gold at the moment don't spill it um, but I loved how um, different time difference sounded to all of her other stuff like I um when I was uh, like 16 17 I was a huge camera obscura fan and I loved listening to time difference because it really brought me back to their sound like it's just so um it's really sweet it's so summery it's very kind of like 60s um in the in its melodics and like the chorus and stuff so i i really really loved that and i'm i'm very excited to um to hear an album or an ep whatever whatever she comes out with next um that's really exciting yeah i think she's one of the brightest talents in the country and i can't wait to uh have a long discussion with you about uh that album i think it's gonna be great um at the top of our uh docs um that we're working off you say that this is going to be the last civilized discussion <laughs> of 2020 between the pair given a certain irish release due for the third quarter i'm presuming you're referring to the fontaine's dc album which is coming out a day after my birthday on july uh 31 first am i right am i right in thinking that wouldn't dare comment on wouldn't dare comment but let's just say i did see a member of that band rocking a girl band uh, merch recently so take from that clue what you will quality recognizes quality zara sorry i can't wait to listen to pet sounds part two that's all i'll say <laughs> <laughs> um they've released two singles so far i don't know how beach boys heavy uh the reference is but uh we've gotten two singles one of which uh i think is really good it's the high octane uh title track a hero's death and one uh song which i was quite disappointed by i don't belong which is a lot slower and sludgier and a little more boring than i would expect from fontaine's dc so i don't know it's uh it's interesting I I always find this so interesting to see a band who are on the cusp of huge, huge things. As in uh, today, they announced their biggest uh, UK show as part of a big UK tour 
to date they're playing Ali pa- Alexander Palace um in March or April 2021 um so they have big uh plans for their future and I hope that this album does a lot of opens a lot more doors for them but uh, I wonder will it be as good as their debut album but I get I'm not looking forward to talking about Fontaine's DC DC's new album with these are in the future but I look forward to our Q3 release I can't I can't see why not Owen I can't see why you're not looking forward to that I'm a thorough professional but look they are kind of referencing Brendan Bean though I think more in this album so they've jumped maybe 20 years from the joy stuff so maybe it's a bit more contemporary so I shouldn't have brought them up I knew it I shouldn't have brought them up with you (laughs) fill me once (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there's plenty more that we could have uh, talked about um, but I guess you leave the listener wanting more is that is that a thing that we do on on this podcast I don't know about that but uh, I look forward to chatting with you again but um, might have I don't know about that Fontaine's DC chat (laughs) that we're going to have thanks a lot for doing this Sarah (laughs) you might fire me I've been made redundant from the point of everything. Q Q roundups. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about that on the on the next uh, investors call. <laughs> okay. Cool. Thanks a lot, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs>